Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Pistons fans, welcome back to another episode of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Anguilano. Joining me is the full cast of characters this week, Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Aaron, we missed you last week for the big free agency um, pizzazz and shebang. Uh, are you excited to be back? Because we're, we're, we're excited to have you back. We really missed the the level of enthusiasm that you bring to the podcast. I think I think the listeners like me being gone. I didn't see as many comments saying all you guys do is talk negatively about the Pistons uh, from last week's show. Um, and it's good to be back, obviously. I'm never going to leave this thing. Uh, so sorry to everyone that's going to cry about it in the, in the comments. But uh, <laughs> back and uh, definitely have some thoughts on what the Pistons have and haven't done so far in, in free agency. We're also going to talk about my favorite thing ever, which is summer league. So uh, excited to get into all of that and, and just good to be back on the show. It was unfortunate that I had to miss last week, uh, but back now and, and ready to get into things. I, I love Aaron threatening his own listeners with his presence. That's that's truly beautiful. That's what podcasting is all about. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's truly, uh, you, you haven't really made it until everybody who listens to your podcast <laughs> wants you off of your podcast. So that's, that's really, that's a true sign of success. Uh, hopefully one day I'll get to the level that Aaron is, but you know, he's been doing this forever. This is, this is his baby. And I'm just happy to be a part of it once again for this week. So Aaron, welcome back. And I know you've had plenty of time to marinate on these takes you have regarding the Pistons free agency, or should I say lack thereof? Lack thereof. <laughs> I'll, I'll let yeah. Mike do his thing. And then I'm I'll, I'll, I'll give some thoughts. I know you guys obviously did a great job covering everything that took place last week. So I'm not going to set on uh, all that kind of stuff too long, but just did want to get, go over some of my initial thoughts on, uh, on what happened. Yes, absolutely. And Aaron, we are going to get to all of those thoughts because um, I have been stewing for a full week. Uh, but first, I'd like to thank our sponsor for this week's episode, and that is Bet Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest 
odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place all your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up. Get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code, Believe B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Aaron is prepped, primed, and ready to go. First topic for today's show is going to be talking about the happenings or non, non-happenings of the Pistons free agency. Uh, Jasper and I covered that last week in one of the, I think, uh, well, it's definitely one of the most viewed, at least on YouTube episodes. I, I saw it at like 1.7K uh, viewers. Um, I have not had a chance to read the comments. I'm going to do that as soon as this podcast is over because I must see what everyone is talking about. But um Covered it last week, covered the Joe Harris transaction and then the trade for Monty Morris. Uh, Aaron, I will give you the floor to give your thoughts on uh, the really the only two moves that the uh, Pistons have made this offseason. Yeah, so for, for me, I think getting both those players uh, in a vacuum, Monte Morris and Joe Harris can certainly help the Detroit Pistons. Uh, I think both of them do things that the Detroit Pistons need obviously this was a team that was in need of need of some some wing depth was in need of some shooting uh, something that uh, I believe it was James Edwards the third of the athletic talked about was that the Pistons were actively looking for a veteran point guard now you know he talked about how he was expecting that to be a veteran that didn't really play but was just a, a locker room presence I think that was definitely my expectation uh, following the Pistons' decision to trade up and select Marcus Sasser, um, and you know, with already having Killian Hayes and Alec Burks on the roster, that gave them three guards off the bench that were going to be ready to come in and play behind Kate Cunningham and, and Jaden Ivey, who, you know, by the way, should probably have one of them on the floor at most points throughout the game as well. Um, so the 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 Morris trade was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I like Monte Morris a lot. He's obviously very excited to be here. He's from the state of Michigan. So it's a good, he's a good player in a vacuum. Uh, It wasn't necessarily my biggest concern for what the Pistons need. When I look at their roster, Uh, same kind of deal with Joe Harris, where I think he's, he can help this team. I know last year he suffered an injury. Wasn't the same shooter. uh, Wasn't the same player that he was before that, but he has a very long track record of, of being successful uh, of good shooting numbers, of being able to provide value on the court. And the Pistons needed more help uh, on the wing. Now, I think there are some things with that move that definitely strike me the wrong way. Uh, it was a move that the Pistons made early in free agency, essentially taking them out of the running for any bigger name free agents like a Cam Johnson. I know, you know, that's something that's been talked about a lot. Um if this was a move that maybe happened on the back end after the Pistons struck out and missed on everything else, it might be a, a little bit of a sweeter taste in your mouth. But both these guys are good players. Unfortunately, the the elephant in the room is the Pistons are still in need 
of a starting level four, and there's really no clear way to get that right now with their cap situation and roster makeup. Yeah, Aaron, I think that's a really good point you actually just made up. Uh, made up, sorry, you just brought up uh, regarding the Pistons making that move at the beginning of free agency. I mean, it didn't get finalized until today, but, but they made it almost immediately. I mean, I actually think it was before free agency technically tipped off. I think it was at two o'clock and yeah. And free agency started at six. So um, it it was a pre free agency move. And I think you're totally right. It's starting at the beginning um, and completely taking the Pistons out of it. Didn't make sense to me. It was not a very savvy move in my opinion, because look for what the Brooklyn Nets are paying Cam Johnson had they still had Joe Harris on their roster, they would have been pushing up against the second luxury tax apron. Uh, And that means paying a lot of money for the team that won 45 games last year. And that was even after losing their two biggest stars. So like for me, um, I I think you really could have held Brooklyn's feet over the fire. If you had held off on that trade, there wasn't a lot of other teams with open cap space that weren't using it in free agency. So it it would have been difficult for them to find somebody to take on his $20 million. I think you probably could have gotten assets out of it. Honestly, if, if somebody had thrown out an offer sheet for cam Johnson, shoot, if you had thrown out an offer sheet for cam Johnson, um, there was just a lot of things that didn't happen. I think the problem Aaron and, and Mike is we can agree that these are fine moves in a vacuum. They're both decent players that can help the Pistons, but not very savvy. doesn't feel like there was a lot of savviness going into these moves. Um, it, it felt like the Pistons could have come out of, out of free agency with more, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely it does. And then yeah, that's the main point for me. It's like, yeah, these guys can definitely help you, but they, they were the moves you made day one, pre-day one. Like, it just felt like those were moves that, that could have came at a later time. And not to get too into the weeds, but what was the point of trading up and, and getting Marcus Sasser if you were just going to or trade for Monte Morris, who's now probably going to play over him, as he should, because Monte Morris is a very good backup point guard. But it's like, what was the point of doing that? And if for the people that are going to say, well, Sasser can play the two, he's more of a two anyway. Well, you have Alec Burks on the roster still, and Alec Burks was – arguably one of the Pistons' best players, no matter how sad it is to say that. He was one of their best players last season. He's not losing his spot in the rotation either. So now you have Marcus Sasser, who's got two guards ahead of him, ahead of him, uh, and just in the in the backup rotation. And now your number five pick, Asar Thompson, is there's no clear-cut path for him to get minutes either in the rotation uh, after the addition of Joe Harris. You know, if Joe Harris was a 6'9", six, 6'10", six, stretch four, that, that trade would look a lot better than him being a 6-5, 2-3, who is going to be coming off the bench when you've already got guys that were presumably going to fill those roles. And now Asar Thompson is, as of now, the third string wing? I don't know. It's a murky situation. I, I Again, the player's good, the fit, the need, uh, a little bit less than I was hoping for from Detroit. And the fact that they had no have made no other moves since continues to make me worry about how bad this offseason is going to end up being when we look back at it. 
So let's let's talk about one of the players that the Pistons were linked to for months, um, and then even more so after the hiring of Monty Williams, and that was Cam Johnson. Um, initially, when the deal came down the pipeline, it was for a pretty high 108.2 mil spread over four years. Uh, we now learned that uh, Cam's deal is actually has a base salary of 90 million. This is coming from Mike, Mike Scotto, 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 anybody? Scotto. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not taking a swing at this. I've been burned enough times by Tim Forkin. It's not happening. That's a trap. I just wanted to answer that. It's a, it's a Tim trap. Okay. Well, and anyway, it was reported um, by Mike Scotto that Cam's four-year deal has a base salary of 90 million with 4.7 million in projected bonuses, another 13 and a half million in unlikely bonuses. And that's how it can reach up to that 108.2. So it's really four years, 90 million with, really it's like four for 95 um, with quite a bit of unlikely bonuses that could escalate that up to the 108. And I think the general consensus for us was that 108 for four years is probably near um, or, or at the limit to where I would feel comfortable paying Cam that amount of money, considering he's really just a shooter. You know, he's, he's not an isolation scorer and his defense is maybe a tad bit overrated. Um, but four for 90, four for 95 I, is something I would have been very comfortable with Detroit offering. Um, and it, it seems like they didn't really put up much of a fight in that. They didn't, didn't, didn't do a whole lot to put themselves into that ring, despite a long, 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 uh, line of reports coming out that said that they were very interested in doing it. So, you know, I, I'm sure I know the answer to this question, but does this information about Cam's contract change your feeling about uh, the Pistons' pursuit or lack thereof for Cam? Because it certainly does for me. Well, as someone that was bashed when I said it, I maybe wouldn't give Cam Johnson $30 million. When you're talking about him getting paid, you know, 90 million versus 108 million. That's a big difference, right? Um, I think the whole Cam Johnson situation has been framed very, very poorly. Everything flipped as soon as he went back to Brooklyn. Before free agency began, Cam Johnson was the biggest Pistons target uh, in years. The Pistons had to have him he was going to be worth whatever contract he got he's a great shooter he's a a a budding defender he's a two-way forward he's exactly what the Pistons need and that's what we were hearing from the beat writers on down to the fan base uh, on Cam Johnson and as soon as Cam went back to Brooklyn everything flipped and it was well he's often injured and he's really not that great of a defender and he's already 27 and it's that 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 the whole Cam Johnson situation and the way that it's played out has been so off-putting, and it really has. Uh, not that I was a big believer in in the thought processes of Pistons Twitter and whatnot, but for 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 me getting attacked for saying prior to free agency, oh, I don't know if I'd pay Cam Johnson thirty million dollars. 
and everyone telling me I was crazy and that he was the guy that Pistons had to get to as soon as Cam going back to Brooklyn, the narrative completely flipping. Uh, it just a very, very uh, stupid, to be quite honest, week, two weeks uh, between the week leading up and the week of free agency. Look, I would have paid Cam Johnson a four-year, $90 million contract with the unlikely incentives 100%. It's a, it's a lot different than $30 million a year. So for me, uh, I, I think it's disappointing that we didn't hear, hey, the Pistons were did go very hard after Cam Johnson. He just wanted to stay in Brooklyn. The Pistons put out an offer sheet to Cam Johnson. He just knew he wanted to go back to Brooklyn. And we haven't heard that. So that can't just be assumed and saying, oh, the Pistons tried because we don't know that. If it was No, they didn't. Aaron, they didn't try because they made the trade for Joe Harris before free agency even started. It's it's not even an opinion that, oh, they could have tried. They didn't try at all. They took themselves out of the Cam Johnson sweepstakes before free agency ever kicked off. And I said I wasn't willing to go to 108 million i thought that was too much but now that we're looking at the actual breakdown of the contract 100 there's no reason detroit shouldn't have been in on this and additionally there is no reason that detroit should have been helping brooklyn achieve this contract with this player and help them get avoid the luxury tax the the, the second tax apron to me that's insane that's just terrible terrible management how do you not get an asset off of this how do you not say look we're gonna throw a poison pill offer sheet at cam johnson if you don't attach a first round pick to joe harris or an asset or anything you could have done anything but no what you did was you played nice with brooklyn you opened up the cap space for them to go and re-sign cam johnson for in my opinion a below market value deal and people are gonna say oh well i don't want to pay him 30 million you don't know that it would have taken $30 million. You don't even know if the Nets would have matched up to $26 million because they would have had to have gotten rid of Royce O'Neal's deal just to match up to $26 million. If you paid more than that, they would have had to have gotten rid of somebody actually useful, like Dorian Finney-Smith. So for me, uh, this whole now, like, yeah, like you're saying, Aaron, backtracking, to me, it makes no sense, and it's completely dishonest from an intellectual standpoint. Completely dishonest. How silly does the Troy Weaver press release, whatever you want to call it, statement that he made, uh, where he said at the you know towards the end of the season or whatever uh, that the team, the organization, the franchise had positioned itself for a high draft pick. And with armed with a bunch of cap space to make major moves this offseason. Summer's not over. Offseason isn't over. But how silly does that look right now? Because I just find that so rich and so ironic sitting here and looking at this Pistons roster, which is damn near identical to what it was last year with the same underlying issues that it had last year. I get it. I'm, I'm the negative guy, whatever. I, I'm so beyond that at this point. <laughs> He's leaning right into it. I'm I, You know <laughs> what? Essentially, I am at this point. Mr. Oh, Negativity. I don't want it to be this way, but it is this way. This roster is not in a ma- is, is is no is not majorly different than what it was last season. It, it really isn't. They're still in dire need of a four. 
and have two albatross worth worthy players in Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman. I, I just I just feel so we, we were led astray. We were led astray uh, from what we were promised this summer. And, and the Pistons, barring another move, barring them getting into some sort of trade, uh, I, which I don't see being physically possible right now with the way that their, their cap situation stands, this has been a pretty mediocre offseason for the Pistons. And I, I don't feel very strongly about them making a, a a significant leap this upcoming season like we were told was coming. Well, yeah. let's, let me play devil's advocate for just, just a second. Because um, I feel like we probably should maybe start to do this. Like every time Aaron says something that might be negative, Jasper and I might have to come in and play devil's advocate. We can um, we can have Mr. Negativity and the nice guy on the same podcast. The, I, right, I'm just the saying. nice guy. The guy that likes everybody, apparently, which is Jasper. He likes everyone, <laughs> including signing 42-year-old Nick Collison and somebody actually thinking like that that was a good idea. It's just need to stretch for it. You need to stretch for it. Right. You you Simply do need to stretch for it. And boy, at 42, he is at 42, he is going to need to do an awful lot of stretching in order to actually play. So, <laughs> uh, Mike, he's a veteran presence, okay? He's a veteran presence. You need those guys in your locker room. I'm not going to say it again. That's true. But, no, That's there's, a, there's you another – You can't even measure that kind of value. But you're totally – but, like, I, I think you're right, though, Aaron, in finishing it by saying, like, the offseason's not over. And there is still a potential stretch for, arguably, I suppose, and Boyan Bogdanovich still on the roster, who we've been told – uh, is eminently movable. Uh, on the other hand, we've also been told by him that this, this was the year where the Pistons were going to be investing in, you know, winning players and putting out money in free agency and via trades, blah, 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 making an investment to win. So which one of those things is true? Doesn't, I don't even know anymore. You know, it, it, it just makes the the letter that was penned by Troy Weaver, even more hilarious. Now he was talking Bogdanovich off the cliff saying, don't worry next off season, we're going to get you players. And technically Troy did not lie. He did in fact get him players in the form of Joe Harris, who up until last year played like 15 games the year before. And Monty Morris, who is a very quality backup point guard, but still have a log jam at guard. Um, and then drafting Asar Thompson before making it really interesting by almost maybe thinking about drafting Cam Whitmore. So technically, Troy was correct. He did, in fact, get players and held up his end of the bargain. But Bogdanovich's name has come up in trade talks again. I feel like this is going to be an evergreen topic every other podcast, it seems. Mark Stein, of his substack reported that Bogdanovich is continuing to receive a lot of attention by contenders, and the Pistons are once again looking for draft capital or players and additional assets um, in, in, in the form of compensation. So, I, I mean, we've answered this question quite literally maybe 20 times in total, 30 times in total since maybe January, uh, maybe even earlier, like November. Um, any, any, any thoughts on trading Bogdanovich, which to me sounds – um, like a really bad idea considering the lack of shooting and especially the lack of shooting at the wing and especially, especially the lack of shooting by somebody who could theoretically 
defend or, or, or play at the four. But again, if somebody comes with, you know, a, a, a decent package of assets, Detroit should probably look to move on. But again, again, if we are to believe Troy Weaver in the front office that they want to compete for at least the play-in spot this year, then you probably shouldn't be trading Bogdanovich unless you're getting a ready-to-plug-and-play shooter in their place, which is, is not going to happen. So, guys, any additional thoughts now that we've added Joe Harris to the roster? Any additional thoughts on moving on from Bogdanovich and, and picking up you know, a couple of picks or a pick and, uh, and, or a young player. Mike, I want to answer your question with a question to, and this is both to you and Aaron. Do either of you feel like this is because we've talked about Bogdanovich and what we'd move him for a million times. Do either of you feel like this is going to end up being anything other than it was for like the whole Jeremy Grant situation where we were told the entire time that every team in the league, every contender, everybody wants this guy. There's a high price point, but that's because you can get it and ultimately end up settling for, you know, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I'm extremely happy with Jalen Duran. That worked out fine, but you got the 13th pick in the draft out of Jeremy Grant. That's ultimately what you got. Do you guys feel like it's going to be any different than that situation with Bogdanovich? Do you act even more so? Do you even feel like you're going to get anything close to what you got for Jeremy Grant at this point, because Bogdanovich isn't as good as a defender, and he's making more money. Probably not. Probably not. I mean, it's 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 not a it's not a situation that, that the Pistons should want to be in right now. Uh, having to trade Bogdanovich, who's one of your again few shooters, few guys that I guess in theory can play the four, even though he really shouldn't. Uh, at this point in his career to get a legitimate four is really the only pathway that this team has to filling that hole. Now, the reality of it is the Pisses might not even feel this as an issue. They might feel fine with Isaiah Stewart because they seemingly want to continue to use him and develop him as a four. And they might be fine using their power forward minutes between Isaiah Stewart Bogdanovich, Isaiah Livers, if he's healthy, and then if they want to keep Marvin Bagley, I don't know. I'm What I'll say is this. The only way the Pistons could potentially get a starting level four is if they moved off Bogdanovich. But it, it, it also wouldn't make sense because, A, their asking price or what they want reportedly is young players and picks, and, B, if a team is trading for Bogdanovich, they're probably a contending level team and wouldn't want to be trading starting level players off their roster. So the Pistons probably aren't getting a starting level four from said team. Mike? Um, I mean, really? Yeah, I mean, they're probably, yeah, I mean, they're probably not, you know, they've, they've, they've been dangling the, you can get them with the first round pick and stuff or a high first round pick and, and, lesser stuff they they've been doing that for almost one year now um yeah I, it's just he's he's older he's making more money well not not anymore not uh not after the ridiculous contract that grant just signed but i mean probably not um and if if they were getting first round picks last year and and, and didn't pull the trigger 
Um, I know that certainly stings a lot more now, uh, knowing that you're going to get even less at this point. Compound that, that he had a great season last year when he was healthy um, and was probably at his maximum value. I mean, yeah, you're probably not going to get what you're asking for. And I'm pretty sure that every other team knows that at this point, that you could probably put in a low ball offer to. Um, because it clearly seems like the Pistons are trying to clear clear their cap situation for next summer instead of right now uh, because for Joe what? Harris is an expiring. Well, we, <laughs> we can only speculate. Can only speculate. Um, I, I don't know. I really this? thought this was the offseason where they were going to you know, be aggressive for some players to fit around their young guys. And obviously that didn't happen, but I don't know. But I don't know of any other reason why you'd have Joe Harris so early, unless you knew for sure that Cam Johnson was not going to come to Detroit. If you knew for sure that he wasn't going to do that, and and yes, of course, then you, then you do what Brooklyn did to teams like eight years ago with Alan Crabb and Tyler Johnson, then you just inflate the offer and, you know, force them to pay a ridiculous contract, which they didn't. And I get that. But if you knew, you know, that, that, that you weren't going to be getting cam and you needed a shooter. I don't know why else they would go after Joe Harris um, in order to free up cap space and have greater flexibility next, next off season, who they're going to go after. I don't know. Um, I'm sure that Troy Weaver doesn't know either. But, but you could have. But you could have. I can't think of any any other reason. Uh, but you could have signed Cam Johnson to an offer sheet and then held Brooklyn over a freaking barrel, and then traded for Joe right. Harris. Right? right. I, am they I did, crazy? They, am I making things no, up no, no, here? No, no. Like, is that something that no, couldn't no, no. happen? Because I feel they like I'm abs- going insane sometimes with this organization because there is such a lack of savviness in so many of these moves. There's such like a complete misunderstanding of the value of assets, the value of players that it just boggles the mind. And I'm not saying that they, they haven't come out on top ever of any of these transactions, but like this is a front office that paid Kelly Olynyk $13 million a, a year, two years ago. This is one that just paid Marvin Bagley last off season, $13 million that traded for James Wiseman, who this year is going to be making what, like $11 million. And that's what you're investing in your front court. You also have Isaiah Stewart, who was coming up for an extension. Who the hell knows what's happening with that as well. So for me, I mean, the more I'm getting into this, it feels like a Ponzi scheme at this point. It's it's like a pyramid scheme where, <laughs> where seriously, no, where this, this front office, this GM is, is asking us to invest. And, and as we invest, don't worry, the money's there. You're getting the money back. You're going to win. You just need to keep investing a little bit more because once we get these draft picks in here, once we get the investments, then we can pay you back out. That's what it's starting to feel like where it's like, okay, but I've been asked, you've been promising me my money back now this season. I'm not getting my money back. Where's my money, Troy Weaver? Where's my money? Where's my investment back? (laughs) I'm not seeing it. So for me, the more I'm getting into this, it seems like somebody who doesn't know what the what they're doing, do continuing to say, just trust me, trust me. And they have their disciples. And that's where we're at right now. And until the bottom falls out, everybody's on board. Or am I, again, Jesper. am I just crazy? You just don't have the stomach for a rebuild. 
That's all that this is saying. You just don't understand how a rebuild works, man. <laughs> you just don't like, Aaron, it. I'm, am I going too far? <laughs> I, I genuinely want you guys to tell me if I sound like I'm coming off. Like no, a, no, no, no. You're raving lunatic. Next offseason, the Pistons are going to have a ton of cap space in a terrible free agency class. And on top of that, they've positioned themselves for a top pick and a terrible NBA draft class. It's a part of the process, bro. You just got to trust Daddy Troy. I, I I feel like I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like a Kings fan or something. No, you know what I feel like right now? I I feel like a Marlins fan. That's honestly what I feel like. I, I'm just having the, the there's all this stuff going into, no, once we get here, once we do that, then we, then we'll start spending the money. Then we'll start spending the money. No, we just got to kick the can down the road another couple of years. Well, you see. are not kidding. The agency class next offseason is not good. And one of those players that was at the top of um, the list uh, already signed his extension. That's DeJounte Murray. That happened during the podcast for four years, 120 And minutes. guess what? Uh, not that you are signing DeJounte Murray. No. And guess what, Mike? It's going to be the same deal in 2025. You know why? Because good teams don't let good young players hit free agency period they straight up don't um that's just you don't let that happen you extend your young guys or the restricted free agents in which case you match the the offer sheet but like where is detroit spending this money i keep on hearing well they can make these trades but where when is the last time they got involved in in anything similar to that we're what the Bogdanovich? That's I'm sorry. That's like a that's a middling move. That's a C type move. It doesn't change the landscape at all. This is not something significant. And to me, it's just frustrating to keep on hearing the same things year after year. And it's like now we're up at the deadline that you set. Troy Weaver, you set this. The I'm sorry. The, the beat writers, they also bear responsibility in this because they've been reporting it as if it's fact. There hasn't been any sort of pushback by the beat writers saying, hey, you know what? This team might actually, might, despite what Troy Weaver is saying, this team might not be ready by 2023-24. Have you heard, seen anything of them saying that before this offseason? Any of that? Was there any pushback on what Troy Weaver was saying? Nope. Um... I didn't see it. Not, not significantly. No, no. Honestly, okay. So then, why us. are these guys? So why, why is there no lack of accountability here? Why is there a total lack of accountability? Why, why do all these people still get seen in the same light? There has been no lack of. There's no loss of trust here. There's no loss of credibility. What is going on? I think if the Pistons I, don't, because. You're right, and and I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Getting Joe Harris and Monty Morris and then going back to bed is not in any way what we pictured the offseason going like, and it's not how it was painted to all of us by Troy Weaver and those covering the team You know, in the doldrums of February when everything was just cold and horrible. Could not have pictured this this being the offseason. I mean, getting the fifth pick was already you know a kick in the gonads to start. And then an off season of, you know, collecting an expiring contract and a very good backup point guard. Those are those are moves that you know, uh, a team that 
is already ready to win makes moving things around the margins, getting a player here, getting a good, you know, role player there, just trying to play devil's advocate. It was objectively not a good off season so far. And to me, you know, you have two giant players potentially on the move in Harden and Damian Lillard in two very complicated situations, very complicated. The Cavs are like the poster child of being a bad team that just kind of sneaks into one of those gigantic players needing moved and it was Harden and they got Jared Allen out of it. Not saying the Pistons will get a complete, you know, young stud out of, out of it, but this is sort of their last opportunity this off season to really get in on a, a transaction and find an impact player in some capacity. If they can come in and sneak their way in, and I know there's no precedent that they would do this, but if they could, then our, uh, feelings about this offseason would certainly be a lot different that's sort of the last last opportunity if they don't do that and it really is just a star thompson joe harris monty morris and they cut eugene amarui and 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 that's it yeah i mean that's that's to me that is a failure um a complete failure considering all the hype and all the cap space because we were saying this all last year look at all of the cap space look at all of the cap space and then end up with you know, very little to show for, of course, it's an objective failure. And, you know, heads could roll um, other than Monty Morris's head. Next but, year, well, next year, just wait on it. I know. I know. It, and it and it just, it just sucks. Um, there's just no, the off season is not. There's no standard. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. I'm, I I just want to say there's no standards in, 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 turning this thing around it, the, the, the amount of people that are fine, which is sitting around and waiting year after year after year for something to change. It's absurd. Since when did the standards of the Detroit Pistons become so freaking low? This is a organization. This is a franchise that has a rich history in the NBA that has is home to some of the greatest teams emphasis on teams in league history. It's, it's in, it's asinine that there are no standards and there's no there's nowhere near as much uproar as there should be over how poorly this organization continues to churn out teams year after year after year and this 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 bubble around Troy Weaver who is put up on this pedestal like he is some phenomenal general manager that graced the Detroit Pistons with his presence and that we shouldn't ever ever question any single move that he makes because he has the almighty plan in mind it's it's insane the the backers that he has that are willing to bend the knee to every decision that he makes no matter how much it doesn't coincide with what the organization what the team needs to actually be doing if they are going to get better the things that the thing that he said that this organization was going to do this offseason it's it's there are no standards and there are too many people willing to sit around year after year after year and watch this organization, watch this team, watch this franchise continue to sit at the bottom of the standings while every other team moves faster and faster up across the standings up across the pecking order. I mean, really the only other team that's in this situation with Detroit is the freaking Charlotte Hornets. Even no, you know what it is for has who, who had as ter- a terrible of an off season uh, in terms of how they spent their money in free agency. 
Like, even they're putting themselves in a position to at least be somewhat better, somewhat more competitive, are putting legitimate players, at least trying to put legitimate players around their younger guys. I mean, the the the, the people that protect every word that, and, and decision that comes from Troy Weaver, it's insane. There are no standards, and it's disappointing. There. Sorry. I, I have a word for it, Aaron. It's the lionsification of the Pistons fan base. That's really what it is. It's It reminds me of Matt Patricia and his disastrous tenure along with Bob Quinn, where it was, to me, obvious year two that it was not going to work. I mean, really, for me, the, I, I knew it in my soul uh, when they got absolutely mollywopped by the freaking Jets in his first game. At that moment, I knew it was over, but, like, I knew knew it was over on an intellectual basis year two these guys were idiots and they had no idea what they were doing and they had smartest guy in the room syndrome which is something that troy weaver has as well and it's something that leaks into the fan base i heard so many so many excuses for matt patricia and it's and bob quinn too and it's absolutely unbelievable to be seeing it play out once again with Troy Weaver and once again with the Pistons fan base, where you have these people who sit back and just eat the crap that the organization shovels into their mouths yearly, year after year, 60 wins in three years. And you have these armchair analysts sitting back and saying, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. You don't understand what Troy's doing. What's the inside information you have? He knows better than you. The second you start saying, well, this GM knows more than you do, that is when I'm instantly like, oh, you drank the Kool-Aid, buddy. You drank the Kool-Aid. You're you're fully into the Jim Jones cult. Because for me, that you if you can't back up with actual logic and, and reasoning, it's all trust, then you're just a cult member. And it's the cult of trust Troy right now, the cult of daddy Troy. It reigns supreme in, in the Pistons fan base. And it's sad because I remember when people used to get pissed off that this team sucked. And now they don't, they're not even mad. They're happy. Oh, it's another pick. Another pick. We kept the cap clean for another year, fellas. Isn't that great? Trust in Troy. The plan's all coming together. Any year now, any year the Lions are going to be making the Super Bowl, right? So I guess I am the nice guy of the podcast for this week. <laughs> the thing is, I don't want to be um, the negative guy. This isn't what no, I. No, no, no. You're. I'd you're, be more you're than happy being... for the Pistons to to right the ship and and and, and turn things around. Like, I, I, if you think that I want to watch a, a, a team win 15, 20 games every season and and just, just bitch and moan about everything that they do, like if you think that I enjoy that. You've got the wrong idea because the, the the season that they made the playoffs against Cleveland, let's not even talk about the Milwaukee series in 2018 or whatever, but the series against Cleveland, I mean, those were the best four games of my life, unfortunately, that I could truly, truly sit back and, and recall every possession. You know, I, unfortunately, I'm on the younger side where I was a pretty young kid when the 03, uh, you know, 04 teams were playing, the going to work Pistons were playing. Nobody wants this team to be better more than I do. Like I, I want the Pistons to be good. I don't want to be sitting here complaining of, and and 
whining that this team's going to suck again. Like, I want them to be a good team. No, but you're right, Aaron. There needs to be a standard. And the standard isn't being – there isn't even a standard right now. What What is the standard for this team? I, I genuinely – and, like, what is the plan? Because you can say, well, if the draft picks don't pan out, then it's all meaningless. And that is true. You need your guys to pan out. But Kate Cunningham is coming up for his extension at the end of next season. And, again, we've already laid out that there aren't any – good free agents in next year's class. So once you start paying Kate Cunningham, once you start paying Isaiah Stewart, once you start paying all these guys, are you going to pay James Wiseman? What's going to happen there? Um, you know, Killian Hayes, is he getting a second contract? All these guys, once you have to pay them, then that cap space and free agency, it dries up. It's gone. Once you pay two guys a max deal, guess what? You don't get any more money to spend in free agency. You're over then. So, where are you making a move in this next year, two years, that is going to elevate your squad from a from a talent perspective and also maintain your young roster? Where is that going to happen? Well, it's unfortunately going to have to happen uh, based off of a lot of internal growth of the young players that are that are already on this roster, and many of those players you will be able to watch at summer league. There we go. Who I God for we, we 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 escaped. <laughs> Thank God for we, we escaped the black hole. Um, summer league is God. It's right around the corner. It's on Saturday, and there's already some games happening now uh, over in uh, Salt Lake City. So the Pistons will start playing in the Las Vegas Summer League. I saw it's 102 degrees there. It sounds awful, um, but they will play starting Saturday against the Orlando Magic or the Orlando Michigan Wolverines, depending on what players are going to be playing key players that the Pistons will have in summer league include Jay Nivey, Jalen Duran, both probably not for very long, Asar Thompson, James Wiseman, Isaiah Livers, and Marcus Sasser, who did sign his contract as well. So, I mean, one of the more intriguing summer league teams and summer league rosters, you got a lot of NBA level talent on that squad. Um, and a lot of very intriguing players. Um, Livers is uh, is well regarded by Troy Weaver. He's one of the few wings who can shoot on the roster. Uh, Wiseman's obviously a, a grab bag of who knows what you're going to get. And then Asar Thompson and Sasser are you know your most recent picks, and you want to see them play and see what you got. Aaron, you are the summer league, probably the biggest summer league fan out of the three of us. So I'll defer to you. Uh, first but what are you hoping to see out of summer league uh for the pistons obviously the intrigue is is there for me i think with the with the pistons sending so many guys from their their actual roster to summer league it's intriguing for everyone and it feels like more of the roster is going every year here recently but for me that's okay because i i really enjoy watching it uh, i obviously excited to see you know how jalen duran and, and how Jade and Ivy fare against competition that quite quite frankly, they should be far superior than. You know, they should be uh guys that stand out as those players that are dubbed too good for summer. You know, think of guys this year that have already started playing really, really well. Trey Mann for Oklahoma City Thunder, uh Keegan Murray for Sacramento. Like they need to be in that same discussion. Uh, I think the biggest one for everyone, at least in my mind, uh, is what it should be is Asar Thompson. How does he look against this level of competition? 
Uh, there was all this talk, from myself included, about how tough it was to gauge the overtime elite competition that he played against uh, while there. Something that, you know, for me, somewhat held him back in, in the in the pre-draft process because he wasn't playing against professional club teams uh, overseas, wasn't playing college basketball, wasn't even in the G League where he was playing some older guys. He was playing in overtime elite. So how does he fare against this size, this age group, this level of competition, guys that are going to be bigger, stronger, older than him, more experienced than him? That's uh, obviously a big intrigue. If he's shooting, how much is he shooting? What does the shot form look like? Obviously, that's a big discussion point around his game right now. Something that's going to have to improve is his outside shot. So where does that uh, you know, look? Not that it's going to be leaps and leaps and bounds better than what it was you know, a few months ago uh, with overtime leader in the pre-draft process, but you would think that it should look a little bit better. There should be some work uh, being done on it now that he's been in the organization uh, you know, for a couple weeks and that's where my intrigue is seeing these guys. I think like someone like James Wiseman, like if he doesn't look great against this competition, it'd be a real shame. I think this is a type of, uh, of layout for him that he should succeed in. The defense isn't usually all that great. He's going to be one of the biggest guys on the court. Uh, he definitely has more experience than, than a lot of the other guys on the court. So he should look uh, good. And, and Isaiah livers being healthy uh, and playing, something that the Pistons are sort of really relying on uh, at, at this point with the way the roster is currently constructed. So how he fares, certainly a, 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 a vantage point that I'll be watching as well. Super, super excited for Summer League. Just interested to see the guys come out. And we should kind of sort of to get a little bit of a look at the philosophy under a new coaching staff. Jarrett Jack going to be coaching uh, this Piston group under you know, uh, as part of Monty Williams coaching staff for the Pistons. So we should get a little bit of a look inside of, you know, what type of mentality, what type of philosophy this new coaching staff is going to bring to this young group. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm totally with Aaron, you know, lockstep in the things that he's looking for from there. Absolutely. Like Duran, Ivy, even Wiseman to a lesser extent in, in Isaiah Livers should look like the best players out there. And I don't anticipate Ivy and Duran especially playing more than one, maybe two games. Um, it'll be fun to see some of the old names out there too, like Xavier Simpson's on the roster, Kiefer Sykes, um, who is a Mac legend, of course. Um, and I think, uh, uh, and I, I, I'm not even going to try it with his last name, but the Pistons offseason um, uh, free agent post-draft signing of Tosan, uh, the, the kid out of Princeton, that's a guy I'm going to have my eyes on as well. I think for me, it's really more about what does Marcus Sasser bring to this team? Has James Wiseman shown any improvement? Not even necessarily in terms of like his individual game, but like, is he stronger? Does he look better? Because he had in a very uninspiring um, physical uh, body for a third year NBA player to be completely honest like he's very he's just too weak as of right now and and that's definitely a problem so I want to see some more physical strength with James Wiseman with Asar Thompson I get what you're saying Aaron but to be honest with the way that the summer league is structured which is to say minimally I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue for him I think because of his athleticism because of his natural instincts he's going to look really good 
in summer league. And I would be kind of surprised if he doesn't. I think for me, I'm more looking to see what his shot looks like when he's off ball. Um, and yeah, more of like, what are, what are the off ball things that he does? What are the things that he does that are going to be more integral to the role he's going to be playing in the NBA as he starts off? Because like we've said, the Pistons have a lot of guards on this roster and he's not going to have the ball in his hands all that often to begin his career. So I want to see what he can do in terms of those structured off ball movements. Yeah, that's, that's a roster of a lot of intrigue. Um, like I said, that's a lot of NBA level talent that is going to be worth watching during summer league. And I know that Aaron's favorite time of the year. Um, I I know that you are going to be watching and I'm going to be relying on you. If I, if, you know, Jasper and I can't watch it, but a, a lot of intriguing names. Um, yes. Some of those guys like Isaiah livers, they really should be some of the best players out there on the floor. And if they're not, then we, then we have, you know, Oh, a problem to say the least, but a lot of intriguing talent. I'm, I'm very excited to see Asar Thompson uh, for sure. See that athleticism against, uh, you know, other guys that are scrapping for rosters on their uh, respective teams. So it'll be very interesting guys. We've had a long podcast with a very meaty middle of um, vitriol and hate, but I, we are nearing the end of this episode. Is there anything else you want to, Say before we go ahead and wrap up this edition of the podcast as we get into I love the Pistons I want them to be good I want them to have standards that's it yeah I think Jasper said it said it well there I don't really have anything else to add on that I think he uh, said it for me good uh, um, and I think we agree uh, we just want the best for this team and you know like I said there are still two albatross superstars still waiting to be moved in James Harden and Damian Lillard. And, you know, the Pistons could sneak in on one of those very complicated trades and maybe come away with something that will change the outlook for the offseason. But, you know, as it currently stands, we are um, disappointed. We'll put it lightly and politically correct. A little disappointed in the offseason. But, of course, there is still a little bit of time uh, to go before the regular season. Plenty of things can still happen. And we hope that you will join us if and when those things do happen. You know, we'll be covering it as well as findings from the summer league. We'll have all of that and more on palacepistons.com. Please check out our written content. Uh, we'll be doing season previews before you know it. And uh, we'll have all of those pieces on the website as well. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Palace Pistons podcast. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, of course, even through all of the yelling. I love the content. I love the, back and forth um i really do enjoy it every week and i and i hope that you guys do too uh, so for my co-host jasper apollonia aaron johnson i am mike mingolano thank you so much for joining us in this edition of the palace of business podcast part of the believe network and we will see you all next time Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.